Praise the Lord for that. Don't you love him? Appreciate him so much. I know we say it so much, but I think it's because we love him so much. He's been so good to us. Helped us in so many ways and through so many difficult times. We greet you tonight in the name of the Lord. We've come to be able to worship and sing and preach and pray and testify and just see what the Lord will do for us tonight. I know we have many needs. We have, as Brother Louis already mentioned, we have so many that are sick and another round of COVID, of course, that's passing through. But our God's bigger than COVID, bigger than the flu, bigger than the cold, bigger than all the things that we're dealing with, and we just keep right on praising Him and keep right on pressing the battle. We're going to pray, but uh, before we do, I wanted to mention to you that Brother King is is in the hospital. Sister Judy called called today, and um, uh, Brother King has has congestive heart failure as far as what the doctors are saying about him. And they're going to do, a, I guess, a heart cath tomorrow, possibly some procedure there. But one of Sister Judy's main requests was that Brother Bob wouldn't pick up COVID while he's there. Um, in the VA and several people around him there, hospitals, you know, they are right now, they're full. So we certainly like to remember our brother, that the Lord will just be with him. And <clears throat> I'm sure that you know there's many that's sick, and Brother Louis already mentioned some of them, but... Everything isn't bad news tonight. We got some good things. That's right. Talked to Alicia today, and she's doing better by the help of the Lord. <clears throat> Talked to Erica today, day three. She wanted me to let everybody know it's been some of the best days she's had in a good while. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's not really supposed to happen, is it? Uh, but you know what? That's the way our God does to do things. He doesn't promise things will be easy, but he promises that he'll be with us. So we're grateful for that. I mean, he has a need, a request on your heart tonight. I know there's many. Brother Tim's church down in Louisiana, they've been hit really hard. That area's been hit hard. So Brother Tim has canceled service tonight and, and Sunday, and then they will reevaluate it <clears throat> to see what they're able to do. And um, we hope and pray that it don't hit us that way. But if it does, we'll just roll with the punches. And me and the skeleton crew will come and preach to you streamers. And then we'll get all the flesh and the sinew back together after we pass this hard time, won't we? Hey, we were here before COVID. We're going to be here after COVID. We were pre-COVID. We're post-COVID. We're pre-time. We're post-time. It ain't going to stop us. Is that right? You believe that? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come tonight, Father, with our, our needs and our petitions before you. And Lord, we know that you've taught us to ask for many things, ask for great things and lots of them. And that's what we're doing. Lord God, we bring before you the needs and the requests of your children. Lord, we want to remember Brother King tonight. Lord, you see his situation, the hospital and the procedure that they're going to do on him tomorrow. And we just ask, Lord, that you'd be with our brother. We pray, Father, that you'd keep him. Dear God, so much COVID all around him there. But, Lord, we ask that you would just be with Brother King. Help him, Father. We know in one way he's probably longing to step out of this old body into that new body that's prepared for him. But no doubt he wants to stay here as long as you want him to be here. So we pray that you'd be with him, Father. 
in the name of Jesus. Lord, we have so many that has respiratory and, and COVID and flu and one thing after another after another. But yet, Lord God, we still believe your promises tonight that by your stripes we are already healed. Amen. And the song Brother really loves to sing around here, Lord, so much is it's already done. So we just claim your promise and we ask you, Father, that you'd strengthen your people. Help us, Lord God. We just pray that you'd speak to us tonight from your word. Lord God, we've come with needs. And Lord, we realize we got many, many streamers tonight of our church and other churches, no doubt that can't have service. But we pray that you just meet and minister to every hunger heart tonight. Help me that I can be sensitive, Lord, to go in the direction that you'd have me to go. Speak to us, we ask, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn again tonight to the book of Nehemiah, if you would. Chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> Nehemiah, chapter 6, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian and the rest of our enemies, listen to this now, the rest of our enemies. Now we say it quite often that a person is known by their friends. And I believe that. But the other night I was sitting downstairs in the basement and the Lord gave me something. <clears throat> and I told Carol, I said, get your phone and send me a text. And it was this. A man is not only known by his friends, but he's also known by his enemies. I want you to think about that. A man is not only known by his friends, but he's also known by his enemies. Now listen to this man, Nehemiah. So what he's focusing on now is his enemies. Listen who his enemies are. When Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, Though at that time I had not set up the doors and upon the gates, then Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they sought to do me mischief. Now, when I come to church on Sunday morning, and I put my key on the door back there to get in. There was a bag hanging on the door. Well, I didn't open that bag because I never know what kind is going to be in my bags. Believe me, I never know because you know, I do have enemies. Anyway, when I got home, I felt like it was all right. But when I got home, Carol opened it up and looked at it. She said, did you look at this? I said, no, I, I didn't even see what it was. But it was a really nice drinking cup, and someone had it printed on there for me or did it for me. said, we ain't going to, oh, no, oh, no, we ain't. So that's the way we feel tonight, is it not? And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now here we have a very strange setting in that they opposed everything the Jews did, but now they offered to cooperate. Whenever that didn't work, then they offered to build a wall. Well, they refused them on that. Now they come and they want to meet Nehemiah in a village which is between Jerusalem and Samaria, a quiet place on a plain 
where they can be able to maybe discuss their differences or see if possibly they could work out their differences. Now, it would seem as if though that these people were trying to be friendly, but yet Nehemiah had a feeling about this meeting that somehow it didn't seem right. Now, he, he answers this and says that they had something in their heart, another motive, another objective. And of course, the enemy's strategy was, if you cannot whip them, then join them. And then, if they will not let you join them, then do everything you can to oppose them. Now, I don't want you to think now tonight just of the work of the Lord internationally or the work of the Lord here at this church. But I want you to also make this on an individual basis because this is not just the church. This is not just the message around the world. But this is you also as an individual because as Satan tries his tactics against the move of God, the church of God, so Satan will also do it on an individual basis against you. So you have a work as well. You see, the work of God involves a whole lot more than the pastor and the associate and the deacons and the trustee, but the work of God actually trickles down to you husbands at home and you mothers at home, and you young people at home. Actually, the life that you live at home, our church is no greater and no better than the homes of the people who make up our church. And it's so easy sometimes to focus on the whole big picture. Well, our message around the world and our message internationally and our message globally, and truly we do look at it that way, but it is more than that. It is more than the message globally. It is more than our church as far as a group of people, which uh, you know is made up of all kinds of people from different places, and we come and we sit here and rally around the word, but it needs to be brought down to you as an individual as well. And as Satan will try to attack the global move of God or the church of the living God, so he will try to bring it on down and to attack you as an individual and convince you really that your home is not really that important or your work is not that important. But yet, I want to declare to you tonight that your work, your home, your walk is very important to the economy of God. Now I want you to notice how that Satan does this when it comes to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, of course, is a leader. Now remember, Ezra is still here, but Ezra has gone to a place of kind of silent mode. So nothing's been said of Ezra, and it would seem as if, though, that Ezra was off the scene, but he actually wasn't. But God is now focusing on Nehemiah. But Ezra will reappear again in chapter 8. But because Nehemiah is a leader, then Satan wants to do everything that he can to attack that leader. Now we're all well enough aware of Satan tactics to know how he will do. If God is using a certain man or a certain ministry, and if Satan cannot attack him as an individual, then he will try to attack his family. Or he will try to attack those that make up his, his work because no ministry is by himself. 
himself. Now we may look at this minister and say, oh, what a great man that is. What a great preacher. He's this and that and the other. There's no man that makes up that ministry on his own. But there are people behind him who pray for him. There are people behind him that are bearing the burden and all of that. So there's so much more behind every ministry than just that one man that you see. And if Satan cannot attack him, then he will come and attack those who's helping bear the load of that ministry. Now, many times they are not seen, they're not even known, they're not even recognized, but the minister himself knows they are there. Now, I'm gonna tell you one thing, when we get there that day, there's gonna be many of you that's gonna be rewarded because you stood with some ministry of the men of God around the world. And you think, what did I ever do? You prayed for them, you supported them maybe financially, and you stood for them when others was blasting them, and you felt to stand up and say, hey, I know that man, he's a man of God. And because you did that, you bore reproach. But yet, that was part of God making a way where you could be rewarded on the other side of the river. Oh, what a loving God we have. So every ministry involves so much more than just the man himself. But notice now, Nehemiah is the main one that the Spirit of God is focusing on right now. So notice what they do. They try to appear impartial. Now, we're, we're trying to make peace. And I want you to notice here, when you notice this pattern in the Scripture, it will always be the compromisers that are making the offer that it seems like the real God called people, it's going to make them look bad. Now, I want you to notice the offer of Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and all that. They seem to be the ones that are trying to make peace. They seem to be the ones that's putting forth the effort. And my, they were seemingly just trying to work this out. Nehemiah wouldn't even consider it. Why Nehemiah wouldn't even take time to answer their emails, we'd say. He didn't even take no time to take a phone call. He wouldn't have nothing whatsoever. And you know that they went around and talked about him like a dog and say, look here, we reached out to that man. We sent him a letter. We done this and that and the other. And he wouldn't even respond. Isn't it amazing how Satan loves to take those things and to try to turn them around on us? But yet, somehow, uh, Nehemiah knew that there was something wrong. Look at these last words that he said in verse two. But they thought to do me mischief. Now, how he knew this, we really don't know. Whether it was the Spirit of God that helped him to know it by spiritual revelation, or if Nehemiah heard it by somebody telling him and they overheard it, doesn't really matter how he found it out, but yet they did. Now what they're trying to do is to lure him, the governor, which Nehemiah was a governor, and they're trying to lure him away from the work of God. And if he goes and something were to happen to him, then you know the work of God itself is going to be greatly affected. Now let me say this with that in mind. Every one of us are totally replaceable. We know that. And as long as we are in the will of God, Satan cannot take us until I our time on earth is done. But there are certain things that God has allocated to each of us and a great portion of that work is depending upon us doing it. Nobody can take my place.
place. Nobody can take yours. And neither can we take anybody else's place. And there's a certain allocation of the message that God has given to me. And whenever that's done, I'm ready to go home. Brother Tim is a much greater preacher than I am. Brother Ron Spencer, much greater preacher than I am. And many more that we could mention. But yet they cannot do the work that God's given to me. Neither can I do the work God's given to them. So that puts us in a spot to where we correlate together in the work of God, then I want to find my spot and I want to watch out for the gift of God. People have asked me before, Brother Donnie, you go snow skiing? And I say, nope. They ask me different. Do you do skydiving? I say, nope. Do you do this, that, and the other? Nope. They say, why? I say, because I respect the gift of God too much. That's right. Now, God give me, God give me a responsibility to watch out for my gift. God gives me a responsibility to watch out for my life. God gives me a responsibility to watch out that I do not let it become reproach. You understand that? Why? Because if I do it, it's not even the devil's fault. It's my fault. So Nehemiah now knows that the focus of the work of God is shining right on him. And if he makes a wrong move, look, you fathers, don't you understand what a great responsibility that you have in your home. If you take a man in the home and he's just a carnal sort of a man and he doesn't really lead the home in a spiritual inspiration by the presence of God and the man leans more toward the natural side and he leans more toward the intellect and the brain and the intelligence and so on and you watch that family, then you watch the wife and you watch the children, they'll follow right in that same path. You watch the man of the home and he really doesn't emphasize going to church and being in the presence of God. Then you watch that wife and you watch them children. Well, come on, Dad, don't be quiet on me already. I'm really gonna need some help tonight. But you see what that does. If Satan can affect that man, then it'll trickle right on down. And as a pastor, I've seen it so many times that whenever you have weak men in the home, that many of the wives that are in there, they love God and they have a desire to do something for God and they will step out and they almost become into the leadership of that home. Why? Because you got a weak man there that ought to be doing it himself. Many men won't even read the Bible. They won't even pray with the family. They won't even talk to their family about God. God, but they know every Disney character that Disney ever made. They know every Disney cartoon and they can tell you all kinds of this and that and the other about all kinds of movies, but they don't know hardly one scripture or one quote. Well, that's not really my category, Brother Donnie, I'm not a preacher, so you want to be a specialist in Disney characters and you don't want to at least know a few scriptures? I'd rather, I'd rather know a few scriptures and a few quotes and be able to stand and rattle off Disney and rattle off, come on now, don't get quiet on me. But what is it? It's not just all the time a weak pulpit, but it's weak men that will not stand in their position. But Nehemiah knew that all this responsibility this present time weighed on him. And even though the enemy is going to place him in a bad light, now you think they're going to do this and not let this be known? They're going to let everybody and their brother know that they offered to Nehemiah and they stretched out a hand of fellowship. You don't 
want no fellas and then them. I don't want to be in no ship of them guys. I can tell you right now. Ah, what is fellowship? Two fellows in one ship. You got to watch fellowship and with Sanballat, he's got a knife in his hand. He's got a gun hid somewhere in his knapsack. You understand? And there's, there's nothing wrong. Now you say whatever you wish. There is nothing wrong when a man feels led of the Spirit of God not to meet with a Sanballat or a Tobiah or an Arabian. He's absolutely following the Spirit of God. Remember Brother Branham refusing, absolutely refusing. When Dr. Best wanted Brother Branham to debate and argue, he said, I won't do it. Oh, no, my, remember when they had the great thing? And he said, Dr. Marshall said, Brother Branham, let me go. He said, I'll let you go, but do not argue. Now he went down through there and tied him up in knots. And then Brother Branham said, he made the great challenge. If the great healer is here, let him come out. Let me see what he'll do. Don't you see, friend, an absolute reprobate. And yet, Brother Branham walked out and he said, well, I'm nobody and I can't do this and I can't do that. But if the pillar of fire is in question, and here he come. Now that great picture that we have that was taken down in Houston, Texas in 1950, which I have seen with my own eyes in the Library of Congress. Now, some people are saying that it ain't there. They're bald-faced liars. I have seen it myself. Don't you believe their garbage and their lies? I have seen it and handled it and picked it right up myself. But what did God do? God never so much vindicated Brother Bosworth with a pillar of fire when it come to debating, but God vindicated his prophet with his presence. Then what come down? The pillar of fire. Oh, praise God. I don't believe God wants his children arguing and debating and fussing with the devil. We just tell him what we believe and we go on about our business. Now, I want you to notice that this valley of Ono is about 25 to 30 miles out from where Jerusalem is, and it's near a place called Lydia, which is in the plain country bordering Philistia. So notice where they want him to come to, to the boundary of the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were absolutely sworn enemies to the people of God, and yet they want him to come to the compromising place, to the borderline. Listen to me, saints, to the borderline. Don't you see how Satan will attack a home, how he'll attack a mother, a father, a young person? Oh, well, you know, you don't have to do this and do that, but just try a little bit of this and and do a little bit of that. That, That's okay. You're you're not stepping out of your land. Oh, you see what he's trying to do to you? He's trying to get you to move right there to the border of the land of the Philistines. Don't you know them Philistines can throw rocks around that border? Don't you know they can fire bows and arrows and this and that and the other across that border? You stay as far away as you can from them Philistine grounds. My, my. But you see, meeting with an enemy which opposes the very program that we are standing for, what do we think can be gained? Well, I'm going over on their ground. I'm going to win them to God. I'm going to bring this into God and that into God. My goodness, how many have I seen backslid? How many have I seen boys and girls? Well, I've got a girlfriend and she really don't believe the message, but you know, I'm going to bring her to God. How many have I seen that wasn't brought to God? They actually got cold and backslid 
with themselves. You ain't got no promise in the word of God for you to date or marry an unbeliever. As a matter of fact, the prophet of God tells us no believer should ever marry an unbeliever under any circumstance. But Brother Donnie, they might come to God. I agree they might, but you ain't got no promise that they will. You're venturing over to the land of the Philistine. Now children, don't get quiet on me. It is the truth, but when we meet with an enemy which opposes our work, let me say right off tonight that I am so glad that I am identified with the message of the hour of Malachi 4, and let me also say this, I am glad that I am identified with certain enemies because those enemies which hate Brother Branham and hate his message, they also hate me and they hate you, they don't know you by name, many of you, but they hate our church with a passion and yet claim to be Christians. How can you be a Christian and hate anybody? Well, come on, saints. That's exactly right. I am not only known tonight by my friends and I have got so many around the world, you ain't got time for me to call all their names tonight. But I also am identified by my enemies. But what encourages me is when I look at my enemies and I see they also hate Tim Pruitt, they hate Ron Spencer, they hate this man and that man, they hate the prophet of God, they hate the message of the hour. I said, praise me to God. I am also identified by my enemies. Come on children. Wouldn't you hate to be identified as a friend of hell? Wouldn't you hate to be identified as a friend of addiction and pornography and all that kind of thing? I want pornography to look at me that little lust devil and say I hate Donnie Reagan and I'll point my finger back in his face and say I hate you. I want cancer to say I hate Donnie Reagan. He's cast me out of this person and cast me out of that person and I want to look back at cancer and say the feelings are mutual. I hate you lung cancer. I hate you breast cancer. I hate you tumors. I hate you blindness. I hate you COVID devil. I hate you flu devil. Come on church. I hate you pneumonia devil. I am also identified as you are identified by your enemies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you can imagine what this would have done. They might not have even killed Nehemiah. They might just have captured him, but held him there for weeks on end, and the work of God would have come to a complete halt. They would not have known which way to go. No doubt they had great builders and men to do this and that, but God has so orchestrated the body that you have to have a leader. Notice this in verse three. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Let me just remind you now. I'm not talking about just preachers saying this. Husbands, you need to be able to say the same thing. I'm doing a great work. I'm guiding by the Spirit of God my little godly family. Praise God. And the devil's going to come into my home. He's going to have to answer to me because I'm the man of this house. I'm the head of this house. Praise the Lord. 
and the devil is not taking our children. He's not getting our children to hell because as the father of this home, I'm going to stand there between them and apply the token or they may get away from it. But the prophet of God said that truth will never get away from them. They may get wayward. They may run out and sow wild oats and this and that. But brother, sister, you lay your prayer on them with your token and hell will have to back off. Is that right? Notice, I am doing a great work. Don't think in your mind now, whenever you as fathers, you as mothers, you as young people, that you look and say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Then if you understand your position in Christ Jesus, you can say the exact same thing that Nehemiah did. I'm doing a great work as a young man. I'm doing a great work as a young man. And it's not your work. Let me say to you tonight, I am doing a great work. Oh, you say you're bragging on you. I'm not bragging on me at all. I ain't got no great work. I'm doing a great work because it's the Lord's great work. We are doing a great work. Amen. The saints of God around the world are doing a great work. You can't be no greater than the work of God. I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? whilst I leave it. Now, he's not the only one doing it, but he's the man in season that God is directing through. And come down to you. Yet they sent unto me four times. Boy, they were determined, wasn't they? You see, Satan has learned a long time ago dealing with human beings just because they say no the first time don't mean they'll continue to do it. Because some say no the first time and say yes the second time. Some say no time one, time two, and say yes time three. On and on and on it goes. Now don't sit there and look at me because we've all been there and done that. But I want you to notice the determination of Nehemiah. Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. There you go. Four times after this sort. Boy, I'll tell you one thing. You know, Brother Bram talked about an old sister in church and he said, she wouldn't talk about nobody, which you can't find very many of them left. But he said, she wouldn't talk about nobody. And said, somebody come to her one day and said, well, sister, what do you think about the devil? She said, he's a good adversary. (laughs) Then said Sanballat, his servant, unto me in like manner the fifth time. Ah, with an open letter in his hand. Now you see, if you are aware of the way they wrote letters during this time frame, this one little portion of the verse speaks volumes. Because whenever you wanted to write a letter and it was for your eyes only or yours or yours, You never sent that letter being open. But you would write whatever you wanted to put in the letter and then you would either do one of two things. You would roll it up on a parchment skin or paper. You would put it down in a tube and then you would seal the end of that. Or you would put a seal around it like this and whenever I received your letter, you received the letter, whoever it was, you knew 
No eyes had looked on that letter. But instead of doing that, they sent the letter like this. So the messenger from one person to another to another could... You ever wonder how many post people read the postcards you send from Hawaii? You know the curiosity of people. Can you imagine they see a postcard from Guatemala for some place? Dear John, we are having such a wonderful time. I've often wondered them post people, you know, whenever they get that. Why? Because it's pretty much, don't put your bank account number, what do you do on those postcards? Because why? It is an open letter. But if you've got something that you want hid or conceal, unless, of course, you want people to know it. So they sent an open letter. Oh, yeah. An open letter. Now, actually, they'd drop this down if they wanted it to be secret, and they'd drop it down in a silken bag made out of silk, and then they'd have tiny little seals, and they would put a little seal over a piece of cord on the end of that, so whenever you got it, you had to break the seal. And the messenger must have looked at that and thought, that is very strange. But since it's open, then he couldn't wait to tell so-and-so which he told them not to breathe a word of it. And of course, they told so-and-so their best friend and told them not to breathe a word of it. So what was in the letter? They were accusing Nehemiah of rebelling against the king of Persia. So they wanted this gossip to get around to everybody. Like today, it'd be equivalent to making a YouTube video and telling lies and wanting as many people as you can to be able to see it. People think they found out a great mystery and they make YouTube videos. We have proven William Brown was a man. You're a bunch of years behind. I already did that a long time ago. Oh, oh, he, he, he was a man. He misquoted scripture. Yeah, right. Tell us something that'll help us. We already know that. Oh, but we want everybody to see it. Oh, my, we want everybody to know it. And they got 569 viewers. Oh, you think, really? You're going to hell for 569 viewers calling God's prophet a liar? Come on, children. Oh, my, you imagine... Yes, your honor. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Deliver this. Yes, sir. I will, sir. Don't you look at that. Yes, sir. Oh, good Lord, have mercy. I can't believe it. I always liked that guy. My goodness. So here he goes. Oh, oh, he's running. And he comes on an open letter. He faces his best friend down there. He's buying something for his donkey. Then he goes in there and says, you're not believe what I've got here. I can't say a word now. I can't say one word. Let your eyes fall across that. Now, I never told you one thing. I never said one thing. Be sure and tell Sister Mary Bell. I'll be sure and tell Brother Artfrey and tell this one down the other. Oh, Lord, we've got to get this out. He's a false prophet. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. No, he wasn't. Isn't it amazing that Nehemiah kept totally secret 
he had written permission from the king to rebuild the walls. Sometimes the Lord loves to make fools out of the devil's youngins. Just so he can identify their daddy. <laughs> oh my. Now, it did not get him when they tried to do it in the sneaking way. Now they're going to try to ruin his character. Oh my. Sort of like a troublemaker in church, you know. They stand outside in the foyer of the vestibule before church. I'll tell you one thing, I don't like this and that and the other. They raise their voice around. Have you heard? We've got ball goals over in that new fellowship hall. Well, if you hadn't, I'll tell you. Yes, we have. Don't worry about it, some of you old folks. You're not allowed on there anyway. Can't afford to pay your hospital bill. It's for our use. Oh, come on, don't sit there and look puffy-eyed at me. Don't worry, ties didn't pay for it. Some of the brothers in the church wanted to pay for them. So you thought, I can't believe my money bought them. Your money didn't pay one nickel on it. Amen. Well, glory. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I heard this and then the other. You got an open letter, don't you? You open your mouth and let her fly. Oh, my goodness. Huh. Oh, Jesus, what am I doing here? Wherein was written, notice verse 6 now, it is reported among the heathen. And Gashmew says, hey, boy, we got a bunch of them Gashmews. That thou and the Jews think to rebel. Friends, this is an absolute lie. But people don't want truth. It'll be so small of the people, of the billions of people that are on the face of the earth. When the rapture goes, those they really want truth, the number will be so small. It will be overwhelming of those who want truth. For which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king. So this is the open letter. Oh, we got your number on Nehemiah. We know what you're trying to do. Yeah, we see what you're doing. Yeah, you're wanting to be a king. That's why you built this wall. Go ahead and tell them people out there. That's exactly what you're wanting. Now I'll tell you, for a man's character. Now this is his work. This is his very heart. And for people to project a falsehood about that, it rips you to pieces. It rips your very heart out. For which cause thou buildest the wall that thou mayest be their king. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem. Wow. I mean, these people didn't have one shred of truth. You know, Brother Bram said the biggest lie there's ever told in 99% truth is that this wasn't the biggest one because it didn't have no truth in it. 
So they're projecting that Nehemiah called prophets and said, go out there and preach about me. Tell them how great I am. Tell them I'm a king. Tell them this, tell them that. Every bit of it lies. But why does Satan use it? It discourages us. Why does he lie to you, saints? Oh, you ain't no good. You'll never make it. Oh, look at this. God don't love you. What's he doing? Lying to you. That's why you need to recognize and say, shut your mouth. I'm a child of God. He loves me. He never promised me that I wouldn't go through trials, but he promised me he'd be with me through them trials. Get out of my house, devil. They're lying to me. You're misrepresenting me and misrepresenting my father. Oh, my, my. Thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Okay, now come and we'll take counsel together. Because if you don't, we're going to tell on you. What, lies? Isn't it amazing how Satan changes his tactics? Then I sent unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest. In other words, you're a bald-faced liar. But thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For out of the heart comes adulteries and fornications and lies. Where would this born? Out of the heart of these enemies of the work of God. Boy, I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. For they all made us afraid. You mean lies can make children of God afraid. Friends, Satan's been doing this for thousands of years. Well, Brother Don, it wasn't even the truth. Sure, it wasn't the truth. But what if it fell upon the wrong ear? What if that lie fell upon a, somebody in a caravan and they was going right back toward the king and they told this one and told that one and told that one and the word come to the king? It was a lie. There was no foundation of truth to it at all, but it made them afraid like a lying vanity of a symptom or a line scan. Well, hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. We ain't signing for the devil's lies. Come on, somebody. Can you imagine if FedEx comes to your house tomorrow and delivers a box and it's got a little bit of rattle and a little bit of a funny sound to it and you go to every time you get near that box, something's hitting on that box and there's something inside of that rattling and rattling and on the outside there's breathing holes and you look in there and you see some beady looking eyes and some fangs on the inside, you're out of your mind if you're gonna open that box. What is it? It's a box of rattlesnakes. You don't wanna sign for it, but you call FedEx and say, hey boy, come back here and take this box where it come from. Wherever it was, you picked it up. Well, that's the way the devil wants to do the people of God. You've made too many mistakes. That's a box of rattlesnakes. You can't go on with God. That's a box of rattlesnakes. Well, there's too many falling around you. That's a box of rattlesnakes. Satan, come and get your box and take it back to hell because we ain't signing for it here. We ain't serpent handlers. We're serpent brutes. Hallelujah! 
I was sitting right down here at the hospital several weeks ago to take Erica for a scan. I was sitting there on my computer, my lap, studying for you for Wednesday night. They come to get her and take her back down while I was sitting there. I know it may seem strange to you, but the Spirit of God come to where I was sitting there in the waiting area. And he spoke these words to me. Do not believe their scans, but believe my word. I typed it out right there, put the time and put the date. Hallelujah. Amen. I sent it to Carol, I sent it to Erica, I sent it to Alicia. I believe God encourages us in the time of need. Or we can say, well, the doctor said there's no hope. Well, the doctor said this and the doctor said that. And the devil said this and the devil said that. You're going to have to believe somebody's word. Why not believe God's word? By his stripes, I am healed. Is anybody with me tonight? Why? Because that's who we are. We are possessing our gates. What is Satan trying to do? Stop these believers from getting their possession. They were right there in the land and it still wasn't theirs yet. They moved in the land. They lived in the land and it still wasn't theirs. They're living right in the middle of the land and working out the promise and the devil's lies still scare them to death. Mm. Oh my, for they all made us afraid, saying their hands shall be weakened from the work. That it, this is the main thing right here, that it be not done. Now therefore, oh God, strengthen my hands. How many can say the same prayer? Strengthen my hands as a housewife, as a mother, as a father, as a young person, as a preacher, as a youth leader, as a deacon. Whatever you are, strengthen my hands, oh God. Mine, afterward I came into the house of Shimei, the son of Delhi, the son of whatever that guy's name was, who was shut up and he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Now here we come to a very, very unusual situation. This man is a prophet. Uh Uh-huh. A prophet. But he's a hireling prophet. Now watch him in symbols. He's acting like he also is under pressure. So he's acting like he's hid. And I've got to watch for my life because they're out to get me. But they wasn't. As a matter of fact, they put him on the payroll. (laughs) Oh yeah. They hired this prophet. Mm -hmm. Notice this. Who was shut up So he was shut up. Maybe whenever Nehemiah. Now this is amazing because Nehemiah would not go with Sambalat. He would not go with Tobiah. But this man was a Jewish prophet. One in their own move. And Nehemiah thought this man had credibility. Boy, we're coming down to home, ain't we? He would have never left the work. How he thought he was Tobiah or Sanballat, but he was a prophet. 
So you imagine when Nehemiah goes, knocks the coat. And here he come to the door. And he opened the little window. Then he opened the big window. Then he opened the bigger window. And he finally reached it. And he slammed the door. Anybody see you? Anybody see it? No, 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 no. Brother, oh, these are troublesome times. I'll tell you what me and you need to do. We need to go into the temple. Now you see to a person that don't know the word, that seemed so ideal. It seemed like the perfect place to hide. But Nehemiah knew, God forbid, governors, kings, leaders, rulers, to go into the temple of God. Look how deceiving Satan tries to get to us. Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us shut the doors of the temple for they will come to slay thee. Oh brother, please, please come. I'm here to help you. I'm here to do everything I can. Let's run into the temple. Let's hurry, let's go, let's go. We got but a little bit of time. Let's go into the temple. And then Nehemiah realized this prophet is off the word. If I didn't know no better, I'd think I was at Sinking Creek tonight. <laughs> of course, I wouldn't last it this long there, but <laughs> they will come to slay thee, yea, in the night. Oh man, he really knows how to lay this out, don't he? He's scaring him. Now he's trying to scare him, Brother Bill. They will come to get you, and it'll be in the nighttime. Now we all know how we are about night. Sounds that they're just, you know, whatever during the daylight. But isn't it amazing how they're so magnified in the night? Creaks and cracks and pops and this and that and the other. And don't sit there and look at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Don't tell me y'all ain't never jumped and jerked and quivered when you heard a strange sound in your house. I ain't talking about you sisters, I'm talking about you brothers. Oh my, in the night they will come to slay thee. My, what a man. What a man that would use this trust. I wonder how many of you and I have trusted till they pulled a secret out of us or pulled us away from where we ought to be with the Lord. Oh, brother, I love you. and I'm just trying to help you now. And I've just been burdened. You better watch that. That ain't always the Lord talking that way. He would have never met with one he didn't trust, but he so trusted him. Oh my goodness. Brother, your life is in danger. I'm so worried about you. I'm so worried. Now this man was the son of a priest who was an intimate and confidential friend of Nehemiah, a false prophet hired by Tobiah and Sanballat. Here are Samaritans, heathens, and a Jewish prophet is willing to sell out his brother for money. Oh 
And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Now look, the first offer was oh no. Y'all sung with me the other night when you finally caught on to the song. We ain't going to, oh no, oh no, we ain't. But now the devil's offering something totally different. A position you're not called to be in. Oh my. I will not. Can you imagine this man's ministry would have ended? Remember what God done? to King Uzziah. When he went into the temple of the Lord, God smote him with leprosy and he died a leper. But here is a prophet. Well, some of y'all sure are looking at me funny. I'm sorry, friends, y'all didn't know this is in your Bible. It is. A prophet. But you see, a prophet's credentials isn't just because he prayed for the sick and they get healed. Jesus said, many will come to me in that day and say, we cast out devils in your name and we done this and that in your name. And he said, I'll say unto them, I never even knew you. False anointed ones at the end time. My goodness, friends, whenever Wisdom Pentecost, my man Harry could sit down and tell you some of the things that we saw. I've shared a few things with you. Some of the things that we saw and how people would call this and that and tell them all kinds of things and exactly right. And you find out some of them men that was doing it had two or three girlfriends and two or three wives and living like the devil. And yet people say, oh, that's a great man of God, great man of God. You mean it was an anointed one at the end time. But if you identify a preacher, an apostle, or a teacher, or a prophet by how he stays with the word. Amen. 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 That's why we can hang our soul right behind the fulfillment of Malachi 4 because he was a word prophet. Oh, can I have a few more minutes? Now you imagine now he says, he said before, I cannot come down. Now he says, I will not go in. Isn't it amazing? I want you to notice now, Remember the prophet saying across the mystery of God revealed that we have the answer to the devil's question. What I love about that is he's just got to explaining about the headship of Christ coming back in the body. And when Jesus was raised on the resurrection morning, the head went up first, but he said the rest of the body didn't lay in the grave. It come up with him, which was signifying the bride in the resurrection's coming. So the headship is coming into the body. The headship of who? Not this man from California, not this man from Johnson City, but our headship is in heaven. Show me where Brother Ram tells us in that message, our headship is in Jeffersonville, or our headship is in Waco, Texas, or our headship is in Tucson. I'll show you where he said, our headship is in heaven. And the bride has no other head, he says, but the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on now. Oh, my And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him. But that he pronounced this prophecy against me. So what if one raises up in our ranks that claims to be a prophet, has visions and dreams and this and that and the other, and tells you something off the word, but tells you what you had for breakfast yesterday, 
and you had a cucumber sandwich for lunch, and you had veal for supper, and you drank a glass of Diet Coke for lunch and Coke Zero for supper. He said, oh my God, oh my God. Don't you think the devil knows what you drunk for supper? Yeah. Oh my Lord, brother, don't they told me my name. I've known my name since I was that high. Don't take somebody very spiritual to tell me that. Right. Hallelujah. Don't you understand? Satan will try you, but notice the prophet said, we have the answer to the devil's question. And when it come to the question of no, oh no, he gave the right answer. When it come to the temptation of the temple, think of it, friends, how spiritual this seemed. But he had the right answer. I will not go into a place that I'm not ordained to go. Well, praise God. And you, sir, are a false prophet. Oh, my goodness. Well, praise the Lord. Is there anybody left alive in the message that's got enough guts to say that in the day and the hour we live in? Somebody stands up and says, contrary to the word, my goodness, you would not believe all the dreams and the prophecies and this and that and the other that I've heard someone come to me several years ago and the Lord had give them a dream. And the dream was that I was supposed to leave this church and I was supposed to go such and such and so and so. And the person that had the dream was supposed to come here and pastor the church. And I sat there quietly and nicely, patiently listened to it. And I said, the only problem is, brother, the Lord God sent me to this church and it'll be the Lord God that tells me to leave. I'm sorry, I'm not going by your dream. I'm not going by somebody's vision. If somebody comes here and tells me, thus saith the Lord, you better do so and so and so. If the Lord God, if it's important enough for him to tell me, I believe he, me and him still on speaking terms. It was, it was enough to him years and years ago whenever he spoke to me to come here and I told him I didn't want to come here. I liked it in Kentucky. I still like them folks there, love them. And I want, my, my, I didn't want nothing to do with you all. I didn't want your troubles. I didn't want all the difficulties y'all were dealing with. There wasn't a one of my preacher friends that encouraged me. There wasn't a one of them that stood by me. But almost all of them said, you're out of the will of God. God will leave him this and that and the other. All I knew was the Lord God told me to come here. So if a man could come and tell me this and that and the other, it makes no difference to me. Why? Because I believe it's so important to God to lead our lives. If a false prophet told us different, but it's anchored in our soul. We will not go in. We will not go to oh no, and we will not go in the temple unless we're called to go into the temple. Mm. Lo, I perceive that God had not sent him, but that he, friends, this is a bold statement. This is a man now that's not a priest or a preacher. He's a governor, but this man he's rebuking as a prophet, so-called. He pronounces prophecy against me for Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He knew he was a false prophet. How? Did he have a chill go up his right arm? And then it turned into bumps as it went up over his, mus his muscles and his shoulders. And then it turned into streaks on the other side. No, he knew he was contrary to the word. He was saying something different than what Moses had already said. 
Moses said only the priest is supposed to go in the house of God, in the temple of God, and Nehemiah was a great man, but he was not called to do that. So he knew this man was a false prophet. Well, praise the Lord. Now therefore was he hired, and this is why they hired him, that I should be afraid. Why? Because Jews were taught to believe their prophets. So the highest order that a man could have, they didn't have pastors, they didn't have evangelists, no, they didn't have teachers, but they had priests and prophets. So a prophet's standing there telling you, now the word says this, I know the word says that, I know it does, but I've got a revelation from God, hallelujah. Can you imagine Brother Tom, him standing there, he's not near as spiritual, supposedly. In reality, he was more spiritual. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid. Notice now his motive in doing this. He must have considered this in the temptation. The man must have been tempted. And now he's giving to us the expression of what he felt when this so-called prophet told him. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin. No true prophet of God is ever going to tell you to do anything contrary to the word. And that they might have matter for an evil report that they might reproach me. Why? Hurt his influence, you ruin his effect. Therefore, they hired him because they knew I respected a prophet. (laughs) But you see, Nehemiah had another spirit. It was like the spirit on Caleb that he believed God's word. Nehemiah feared nothing but sin. My spirit was so great, but he placed before him judgment and the word, and he looked at it and he discerned it. And he said, this is not right. It makes sense. It sounds logical. Did not one of the men in the days of David go and grab a hold of the horns of the altar and claim sanctuary? And claim sanctuary. Oh, spare my life, spare my life. But somebody said, this is not right. It's off the word. His influence would have been ruined. His ministry finished. God would have had to retrain another man. The people would have now been hurt because a leader fell in front of them. Just like leaders have in front of us. And it takes forever to regain that confidence. I've been with some of you all for decades. And you're still trying to figure out if you can trust me or not. What a shame. I said, what a shame. Oh, but Brother Donnie, I've been hurt so much by preachers, and who do you figure has been hurt the most by preachers? You or me? But that don't change one thing. God's word still speaks about preachers. 
And if God can't produce godly preachers, you all might as well go out of here tonight and get drunk and just die. Just forget it. If God cannot produce preachers, he can't produce sheep. Because the apostolic order was Jesus called first to himself disciples and they begin to preach, then come the followers. The order is not the followers and forget the preachers. Again, that's a false prophet. Oh my, my God. Listen to his prayer and we'll close. My God, think upon Tobiah and Sambalat according to these their works. And on the prophetess, Noadiah, bless her little heart. And the rest of the prophets. I'll tell you, the more you read about this man, it ought to give you more admiration for him. Satan hated this guy. Listen, friends, he hates you. He hates you. Well, Brother Donnie, I'm nobody but a father. He hates that. America don't even know if they're men or women. And our Congress are trying to pass with the synonyms and the words of he and she can't even be used no more. What do I call them, it? We can't say he and she no more. We can't say all that because they're not sure what they are, what gender they are. Well, I know what I am and I know what my God is. He is a he. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. He made them male and female. Is that right? But what does Satan want to do? The chemist, oh, shh, don't, don't, don't say nothing about that. Everybody watches, oh, my goodness, brother, darling. They'll lock you up, they'll do this and another. Well, the Lord God can still shake down the jailhouse. Hallelujah, my, let me die if I've got to die. Let me die screaming the truth. Let me be a voice that'll still cry out instead of having what a lot of preachers think is wisdom. What a lot of message preachers call is wisdom I call compromise. When it gets to the place that I cannot preach the truth by being on YouTube and streaming the services, I'll shut it down. I am not gonna stop telling the truth because we stream on YouTube. I'm not gonna stop streaming or stop preaching the truth because this one, that one, oh, Brother Donnie, the CIA and the FBI, all of them, they may be listening. Well, hello, Mr. CIA, and hello, Mr. FBI. Glad to meet you. I'm gonna meet you at the day of judgment and you're gonna give an account for what you've heard. Understand. My God, think upon Tobiah and Sandalat according to these their works and on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. Wow. Friends, I want you to look at what a, a being that we are dealing with, with such supernatural intelligence that he saves his best one for last. What is it that's gonna lead the world in the last days to the move of everybody coming under one headship? The false prophet. The false prophet. He will prophesy the world right in to the one world government. And the world will bow before him. 
So we stood there a couple of years ago and I never really placed it as far as the topography of Israel and geographically. So we go up to the cave to where Elijah was. And we go up to where that he calls fire down out of heaven. And they got a big old statue standing up there. And they got a big sword in Elijah's hand. And then we move up on the top of this building that they have there. And the guide points out, there's this beautiful, beautiful valley. I mean, just acres and acres as far as you can see. One crop after another, after another, after another. And then he says, here is the valley of Megiddo where the last battle of Armageddon will be fought. And I thought, how fitting, right down at the very foot of the mountain where Elijah stood. (laughs) Praise be to God. And I just kind of stood there and took video and still pictures and all that of it. And I looked at the ground and I looked up into the sky and I thought, I wonder, I know you think I'm crazy, but I thought, I wonder which direction we're gonna come out of. Because one day I'm coming back. This may be the last time I see the Valley of Megiddo as a mortal, but I'm coming back again on a horse. (laughs) I'm coming back an immortal. Praise God. Don't you see the Lord God so trusts his children that they are so embodied with his presence, he will allow you and I to fight the last battle. Why? You're qualified. You're fighting now. You've met these demons before. We're not cowards. He'll say, come on, Donnie. Come on, Tim. Come on, Ron. You can imagine that smile of his. My, here comes the men of God. And say, look out, devil. Here comes the Calvary Brigade. Here comes that blood wash group. That last bunch of Holy Ghost preachers that withstood every evil spirit, every foul demon out of darkness. Come and fight with me, boys. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Don't you love him, children? When Sanballat comes against you, remember who you are. When Tobiah comes against you, when the Arabian comes against you, or when a false prophet, or a false prophetess of this message, Mm. Oh yeah, there are women around the message that think they're much more spiritual than pastors are. So they kind of set up their own little web chats and all this, that, and other, you know, leading people to Christ and leading people. To them. I know some of you don't know that, but believe me, they are. You realize what that is? It's exactly the spirit of the whore church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going into a place they're not called to go. Fellowship on the word, sisters. Talk about the word. But remember, you're not called to handle it. You're not called to put it together. Amen. You gotta have a gift. Yeah. What will Satan do? Try to pull you into a place that you're not called to be. But stand firm right there and look a false prophet in the face and say, I ain't going to Ono and I ain't going in there. I ain't called. I'm not gifted. No. I'm standing right here, I'm a sheep. I love God, I love this message, and I'll fight like a sheep. I'll do what I can do as a sheep, but I'm not called to be a preacher. You ain't pulling me in there, you false prophet. Glory to God. Let's read verse 15. So the wall was finished. 
in the 25th day of the month of Elul. In 50 and two days. 52 days. And they worked in the hottest part of the year. Isn't it amazing how God does things? God picked the worst time of the year. Now, I've been in the Judean desert and been in some of those places. I mean so hot, you can't hardly stand it. And God picked the worst time of the year when God was going to send Joshua and the children of Israel across the Jordan River. He picked the worst time of the year. He said, what do you mean? When the floods was up. And the Jordan can get a half a mile out of its banks on both sides. We stood there a couple of years ago. My goodness, in some of the places that ain't too much wider than twice as wide as this church. And people standing out there halfway in because right in the middle of the Jordan River, there's another country on the other side. And they're standing on the other side. And you're standing on this side. And there's people that are being baptized in water and they could stand up about this and water be about this deep. Why didn't God pick that time of the year? But God calculated it just right where the water was flooded everywhere and it was plumb out of its banks everywhere. He does you that way sometimes too. He'll send you right in the middle of this storm. You think, Lord God, why didn't you do that yesterday? I was so much better off. He knows exactly what he's doing. And many can say amen to that. Let's bow our heads together. Praise God. Listen, little Nehemiahs. Sisters, brothers, lay folks, how many different ways do I need to say it? To let you know you're so important to God. It's not that God has this great big ministry and they're just so far, you know, beyond the people and he loves them special and he don't love you. That's not true. We all stand at the foot of the cross on the same level. He loves you. He loves your work. He loves your life. Praise God. Can you imagine him in the Old Testament wanting to come down among them? And he said, build them a tabernacle so I can dwell among them. So Moses erected that tabernacle and he placed them on all four sides. And God said, I want to be among them. I want to hear them talk. Almighty God had been in the presence of angels. And they were talking heavenly talk and heavenly language. And the Lord God comes down and gets inside that tabernacle and hears them talking about their corn and their potatoes, we'll say, and tomatoes and their goats and their sheep and their cattle. And they'd hear them at night as the husband and wife would talk about one of their children was getting wayward. You mean the Lord God would leave the praise and great accolades of angels and would rather hear that? Yes. I hope you can understand. You think that he, oh, he hates, oh, goodness, here comes you, here comes Donnie again. He's got all these troubles. He's got all these burdens he's bringing. He don't feel that way about us. He loves it when we come because he knows we come in faith. And we believe. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, children, talk to him. Love him. Let him know your troubles. Let him know your fears, your weaknesses. He wants to hear about your problems on your job. You imagine God wanting to hear about goats and people's crops is not doing good. You think he's too busy. He's not too busy. 
The prophet tells us in the church age book, he busied himself for the children of Israel. He loved them so much. Oh, he loves you tonight. Lord Jesus, I'm not a great speaker and I, I don't have the ability maybe as others to express it in a more eloquent way to help the people to see it. But would you take my words tonight and put your anointing on them. May their hearts be opened, Lord, that they can see they're doing a good work. Every man standing here tonight that's saved and believes the word, whether they're married or whether they're single, they're doing something for the work of God. Every sister, whether she's married or single, maybe some because of conditions, it's not even their own choice. It's saying you're not divorced and they think, my life is ruined. I can never do nothing for God. I pray you'd eradicate that from their thinking, Lord. We just pick up the scrambled, broken pieces of our lives many times and we lay them at your feet. Hallelujah. And our work may not be nothing. I, I can say that for myself. Here I am. A 65-year-old man, and I think, Lord, have mercy. What have I done? If I'd look what I've accomplished in my work, goodness. But when I look at the work of God that I have been privileged to be a part of, I can say about that tonight, it's a great work. Oh, I could think of nothing no greater. My, if I could work in the White House and I could be the right-hand man to this guy or that guy and people would know my picture and know my name and people would say, wow, man, look at that guy. Oh, but the closest person to our president, the closest person to the prime minister, Naftali Bennett in Israel, they do not have the honor that we do as the children of God. We're not only called to do this work, but we're called to embody the king himself who is the originator of this work. Praise God. We count it such an honor, Lord. I've been privileged to lead people to you. I've been privileged to lay hands on them and then receive the Holy Ghost. I've been privileged to bury them in your name. I've been privileged to cast devils out of their bodies. I've been privileged to say the last human words over them. And you allow me under your anointing to paint such a picture of their journey that many of the living were sitting there and they were jealous because of that one who went beyond. I can't do that. I ain't got enough sense. But it's your work. You're a man that you've called, Brother Branham, a man that the world would laugh at and say was ignorant. And yet the words that come out of that man's mouth was not of his education, not of his learning, but he was doing a great work. Now here are all these years after that work and Satan fights this message harder than anything that's ever been on the earth. He hates it now more than he's ever hated it. No question in my mind. He hates it now more than ever. What's it for? to try to question the credibility of this message, to shake the faith 
and the hearts of the believers. But Lord, it's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our reasoning. When we heard that scream, glory to God, and we recognized the word of God was eagle food, we left the other thing. We heard from our theophany. That's the the thing that many of these enemies of the message don't realize. They think if they can show us the humanity and the message, the humanity and the tapes, and this that they say is questionable and that that they say is questionable, then it will raise doubt in our minds. But they're forgetting about the last half of that quote. We didn't just hear the seven seals and the breach and the token and the unfailing word of promise. Hallelujah. We heard from our theophany. Praise God. And it anchored something down inside of us that's beyond explanation. Praise be to God. Oh, Jesus. We love you tonight. How many Nehemiahs we got in the building tonight? You say, I ain't going to Ono, and I ain't getting out of my place. I'm doing what God's called me to do. If I've got to withstand false prophets, I'll do it. If I've got to withstand false prophetesses, I'll do that too. Whatever I've got to do, I'll do it because I'm going on with my Lord. I'm doing a great work for the Lord and I ain't coming down. Praise be to God. We're doing a great work. You hear that devil? We're doing a great work and we ain't coming down. Oh, you might as well give up. Give up. We ain't giving up. We've come too far to look back. We've come too far. There ain't no turning back. The bridges are burned. Remember years and years ago, whenever England was trying to send people from, to establish colonies, and whenever they would go to certain parts, they would leave the ship out in the harbor. And whenever times got difficult and they started experiencing diseases and malnutrition and this and that and the other, what would they do? They'd get in the ship and they'd go right back to England. But one day a gentleman had the idea, we need to get rid of them ships. So they didn't tell them before they left on the journey. But when they got there, they told the captain, when you get there and this is where you need to be, I want you to set fire to that ship. You imagine the fear and the anxiety that gripped their hearts, but you want it done? It put a determination in them that their predecessors did not have because they always knew there's a way back. Well, if you quit your smoking and you keep a pack of pale males laid up here and you keep your country music hid there and you keep your bikinis hid over here, no doubt you will find a reason to put it back on again. But if you torch that thing, <laughs> if you get rid of all of that and you burn the ship and you look out there in the harbor, Brother Danny, there ain't no ship there. So you know what you say? I live or I die, but I ain't going back. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, by and by when the morning comes, when all the saints of my God are gathered home,
On this restless sea of time Somber skies and howling tempest All succeed a bright sunshine In the land of perfect day When the mist has rolled away We will understand it better Come on, saints, let's sing it now Everybody sing I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. Let's sing that tonight. Amen. As you're dismissed, go in the fear of the Lord. Just remember those in your prayers, the ones that are sick, suffering, the ones that are struggling. Amen. This, this time of year. Let's just sing this tonight. I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. It may not be in the computer. Amen. Let's sing that as you go tonight. Oh, I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. By the grace of God, I'm going to wear a shining crown someday. I'll keep holding on to that nail-scarred hand. I'm not giving up, no, I'll keep holding on. No, I'm not giving up, oh, I'm not turning around. Shining crown, sun.
Oh 